Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A blessed Easter season to all of you this Monday, May the 16th, as the light of Jesus shines on us from 1 John chapter 5. And as we look at 1 John chapter 5, it is right after the moments that we hear of 1 John chapter 4, that in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. A reminder for all of it comes back to Christ. So today when we hear about faith, overcoming the world, it's a good reminder that overcoming the world is not ours to do, but it started with Christ, who then therefore leads us on this path of righteousness. And we talk about faith, it's always about what is this faith in? Clearly, the faith is not for us. If you go to a store and it has this nice little sign that's kind of rustic and says faith on it, what we always do as Christians, we realize that faith is always in Christ. That is our focus today, the belief that he gives by his Holy Spirit, and may that same Holy Spirit be with us. So open up your Bibles, put on your Christ goggles, for the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's Word this morning, we welcome back uh, Pastor Jason Bredesen of Trinity Lutheran Church in Sacramento, California. Pastor Bredesen, happy Easter and welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Thank you, Pastor Finneran, and God's blessings to you and to all those listening in. Uh, what pa- a joy, uh, I was going. just going to say what a joy and gift it is to be with you in this season of Easter. Amen. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. All right. Well, also excited to to ask the next question. That's why I interrupted you there. I apologize. Um, Pastor, what's going on for you, your family, and the work of the saints at Trinity? Here in Sacramento, we are in uh, in late spring, and uh, the weather is bouncing between somewhat cool and somewhat warm, and we're headed into the heat of summer. The saints at Trinity are doing just fine. Just a blessed group of God's people in Christ, and a joy to serve, certainly. My family is doing well and gearing up for our summer months uh, as we look ahead to the next few months. So no complaints here, just living the dream. That's, and I tell you what, there are times in life, I'm actually, let's be honest, more times than we want to admit, where sometimes we just sit back and we pray a psalm of thanks, we give thanks, and we just allow the thanks to be to God. Because you know what? Um, when we say we can't complain, we say, you know what, God, you you, you got this. And that's a good mm-hmm. reminder for prayer for me, for you, our listeners, and obviously Pastor Bredesen as he just proclaimed those blessed words. So, Pastor, as we talk about prayer, can you begin our time in prayer? Let's do that. <clears throat> Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, what a gift you have given to us in the Word um, of God the Word written in Holy Scriptures, and the Word made flesh dwelling among us. Thank you for the life, death, and resurrection of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And as we look ahead to his ascension, celebrating his ascension, the the blessing, the, the great joy, the hope that we have that your Son has overcome the world, and that uh, because we belong to him, we too 
are more than conquerors in him. What a, what a joy it is to know that we have the testimony of the water and the spirits and the blood all proclaiming the truth, the, um, the gift that is our Lord Jesus Christ given to us for the sake of our belief, holding fast to that which you have called us to in the waters of holy baptism. Bless and keep our time together today according to your promise through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Reminder to our listeners, if you have any questions concerning our text from 1 John chapter 5, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, kfuo at kfuo.org. We begin by hearing the word of God from our, for our study today, and it is from 1 John chapter 5, beginning with the first verse from the English Standard Version, we hear the word of God. And John writes, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, and that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water, only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these things three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God's God is greater, for this is a testimony of God that he has borne concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God that has testimony in himself, whoever does not believe God, has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony of God has borne concerning his Son. And this is a testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. Pastor, these words really are powerful. I would say that I, I've, I've gone through 1 John chapter 4, a significant amount. 1 John chapter 2, we talk about propitiation, gone through that quite a bit. But this text is one very clear and I think important for our world today as we, we almost are almost seem to enjoy being confused at times, which is not good, but it's very clear. And if you ever wonder where salvation is, this is a very clear text to you. So, Pastor, looking at this whole 12 verses, how would you do a summary statement of our text today? Yeah, the, uh, the summary that I would give really is found in that verb to believe. Of the nine times that the verb to believe is used in the letter of First John, five times are found in these verses that we have right here. So these 12 verses really lay out for us the importance of belief in our um, understanding of who Jesus is and how he operates for us. The, the life, death, and resurrection, the... Uh, 
the water and the blood and the spirit all testifying so very clearly about who God is, who Jesus is, and um, and the gift that he gives us in the victory over death and the grave in his crucifixion and resurrection, and uh, that we are victors. Uh, we hold the victory. He has overcome the world, and because we belong to him, we too um, have overcome the world and rejoice in that victory uh, for all of eternity. And I like how you said that because, as I mentioned in the intro, if you go to like a craft place, I'm not saying I go to craft places very often, you go to like kind of a artsy um, vacation place, what do you call that, collectibles or whatever it might be, I'm not thinking straight on. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. And you'll see like a woodsy, artsy, carved out or painted piece of wood, and on it it says faith. And for us as Christians, I mean, clear in this text that overcoming is when we have faith. But, you know, faith alone, you know, that's, that's, our, that's our motto, you know. But the problem is the next step, the, the shoe needs to drop, which is faith in what? And so it's very clear in this. That's what I love about, I got, I got to use this more often in my teaching and preaching. First John chapter 5 is so clear like a creed. And I do, I do think the more I read mm-hmm. First John that he was definitely confessing some kind of creedal understanding at that time about the truth of Christ. Uh, it's very clear. Any, any thoughts on, on that clarity in these, in these words, verse 1 through 12? Yeah, I really think you hit the nail on the head and the importance of our testimony to Christ and uh, and his work for us bearing fruit, bearing the fruit of faith. Faith is not something that is nebulous or ethereal, undefined. It is very clearly that which holds fast to Jesus Christ and him crucified and risen again in the hope of eternal life. And Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 13 that these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love, and and certainly John here is espousing that. And as I look at that from 1 Corinthians, I really appreciate that love is the greatest because it endures into eternity. Faith and hope are God's gift to us in the here and now as we continue to wreck with the world that um, wreaks havoc on our faith or attempts to wreak havoc on our faith. Uh, and so we must hold fast to Christ in the hope of eternal life and uh, rejoice that love will continue well beyond our grave and the return of Jesus Christ and the resurrection. Well, I think it's good for us to continue to look at it with clarity. And I do encourage our listeners, as we go through our text today, is to ask yourself, and as we study, is how can I use some of these uh, um, um, verses, words that are being used, phrases that are used in your daily walk for your own sermon to yourself in many ways, but also the opportunity to witness to others. Because I do believe that this testimony concerning the Son of God is, is so clear and so comforting to a world that has seemed to have lost their identity and have very seared consciences. So I'm, I'm ready to dig in on that note. Pastor, are you ready? 
Let's do it. All right. First John chapter 5. We'll begin with the first five verses. We hear the word of God. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we, are ch- the, we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Now, there's a few words in here that that really do stick out. And it does say, verse 3, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. But then you look at chapter 4, verse 10, And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Then it talks about being born of God. How does that happen, right? And and uh, and then it just it continues on to talk about faith. So, Pastor, what direction do you want to go? Because I think there's a lot to chew on just in those five verses. There is definitely a lot to chew on, and it's well worth chewing on. Um, you know, digging in there, uh, verse one: Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. Uh, I think it's really important for us to understand and appreciate, number one, that, uh, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. The only reason we are able to confess Christ is because the Holy Spirit has enlivened us to faith. Um, and the result of that, the, the love of the Father To love the Father and be loved by the Father is to love his children. To believe is to love. Uh, We are, as it were, one big happy family. Mm. And God has brought us into this family, adopted us in the waters of holy baptism. And uh, the the natural consequence, the natural outflow of that is to love one another. And so, okay, so we have uh, being born of God. Uh, we talk about this quite a bit in First John. Any insights on born of God? It's a family, understanding to being the family of Christ, but we also don't talk that way very much. Born again, born of God. How would you, how would you teach that, let's say, to a confirmand? Well, I would, I would simply state the reality that uh, we are adopted into Christ's family in baptism, and that his family is is much larger than what we could ever experience on our own. The, uh, the adoption into his family, being clothed with Christ, as Paul says in Galatians, uh, becoming heirs, children of the Father, uh, heirs of Abraham, heirs of the promise, the, the gifts, all of the gifts of God, uh, all of the promises of God find their yes and their amen in Jesus. And we, being his children, have nothing but access as a dear child is brought in by his dear father to to be a child of God, to rejoice in everything that God 
gives to us and desires to give to us. Um, we, we are his children and <laughs> we exist in the family of God. We rejoice in this family of God and um, proclaim it to one another, uh, care for one another as family cares for one another and seek to grow the family. As it says in the hymn, children of the heavenly father, father safely in his bosom gather, nestling bird nor star in heaven, such a refuge heir was given. It's just a great reminder of that identity we have as, as a child of God, which is a great hymn. I would really suggest that our listeners think about doing that hymn as like a devotional because we continuously in the, in first John, it talks about saying little children or children um, he speaks to them out of deep love and concern for them. And this is the same thing our Lord and John has, that the Lord has for us. So to keep that in reminder, then it, it goes from there. So you're born of God. And then it speaks about kind of our, our responsibility. So we love mm-hmm. God, obey his commandments, and this is how we love God, that we keep his commandments, which, you know, as a good Lutheran, you're kind of first like, well, we don't really have to, you know, it's a, like the <laughs> law is optional or something along those lines. But, but he speaks differently um, in there. So how does he speak about that, that as a child of God, we are to follow the commands and not fall off the horse of works righteousness? Yeah, it, uh, I think you're right. You know, Luther was correct when he says there's more than there's more than one way to fall off a horse. We uh, we ought mm-hmm. not be antinomians, nor give in to our uh, fallen old Adam penchant toward works righteousness. As I look at verse verses two and three here, uh, it really harkens back to the Shema of Deuteronomy chapter six, verses four through nine. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your hearts and with all your soul and with all your strength. Uh, and then coupled very closely, as Jesus does, the the call to love neighbor. And I think it, it, the, reality, the reality is um, the, uh, the truth that his commandments are not burdensome, as we see there in verse 3, really r- lies in the truth of the that our faith is that which produces these good works and this desire to love and serve the neighbor in need. Um, I think Galatians 5, with the teaching on the works of the flesh Mm. and the fruit of the Spirit, it was not that long ago that my family planted an orange tree in our backyard, and uh, it has grown in the couple of months that we've had it and its growth is simply a result of being in the dirt right and being fertilized uh, being watered being present abiding in that which causes the growth and now there are little buds of orange fruit that are beginning to appear and as long as they are connected to the branches, they're going to continue to grow. And so it is with us. As we are connected to the vine of Christ, the the branches of Christ, uh, through word and sacrament ministry, we will will, by nature of our belonging bear that fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
and yet we battled the old Adam, don't we? Um, all the time. And I think one of the greatest testimonies that we can give or bearing witness that we can do is when we do fall short in our love of neighbor, we have the real gift and blessing and opportunity to engage one another in the reconciliation that God has given to us in Jesus and to go to those we've offended and say, Hey, you know what? I'm, I goofed and I'm sorry, please forgive me. And then that sharing of forgiveness, that sharing of reconciliation within the body of Christ. Um, let's be honest, Pastor Finneran, that does not happen in 21st century North America. Uh, and um, we, as the blood-bought, redeemed children of God who are reconciled to each other, really have a great gift of being able to bear witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power therein by simply loving the neighbor enough to say, I'm sorry. And when those uh, who have offended us say they're sorry, we have the gift to be able to say, I I forgive you. And that, that, that does not happen in our day and age. And it is a gift that God has given to the church in Jesus Christ. That bears great testimony to who he has made us. And it it really does give us that understanding of overcoming the world. Like you said, in 21st century America, this is not happening, which is why he can use language, which I'm guessing, based on what he's saying, that has overcome the world, that it wasn't happening in those days either. Why? Because of the sinful flesh. The sinful flesh does not want to repent. Sinful flesh does not want to ask for forgiveness, and the sinful flesh often will want to put contingencies on their forgiveness. I'll forgive (laughs) you if, and that gets all blown out of the water when it comes to the full sufficiency of Christ's cross and our understanding that our repentance is what God does anyways, and our faith is what God does as well by his Holy Spirit. So the whole time, we're always trusting God in the Lord. So pastor, anything else you have in these first five verses? I mean, there's still more. I know there's still more. Oh, there is. Uh, (laughs) uh, I mean, as you roll into uh, verse four, the, the language of overcoming the world, of course, Jesus is said promises us in the upper room discourse of John 16. Hey, you're going to have a lot of trouble in this world. Mm -hmm. It is a broken world. It is messed up, and it's going to be a tough road to hoe. But take heart, Jesus says. I have overcome the world. And that overcoming of the world is in his life, death, and resurrection, and the, the promises that he gives to us in that. And, uh, you know, because we belong to him, we are able to rejoice in that great victory. Right. Every Sunday we gather around the, the altar and rejoice in the feast of victory uh, that is in the death and resurrection of our Lord. Boy, I really look at Romans 8 with this, where we are more than conquerors, that neither life nor death, angels nor demons, powers nor principalities, nor anything in all creation, neither height nor depth, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. We are more than conquerors. 
And in First Corinthians 15, that, that great, beautiful passage about the resurrection of Jesus and what it means for us in our resurrected bodies, that, uh, that we hold the victory in verse 58 of First uh, Corinthians 15. Therefore, said, uh, stand firm, brothers, uh, do not be moved. Let your labor continue because you know that in Christ Jesus, your labor is not in vain. Uh, and that labor is none other than, uh, in verse 4, the overcoming of the world, our faith, and rejoicing in our faith in order to love and serve the neighbor in need. Yeah, that, that, that victory that Jesus gives to us, uh, the overcoming of the world, we have nothing to worry about. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Death is defeated, and we have absolutely no concern for all of our eternal life. What, what is there to fear? Right. Nothing. Right. Yeah. What can man do to me? Kind of, kind of language. Right. Um, and, it, and in verse 5, who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? And yes. it's so simplistic, right? So it's yes. not simple, it's simplistic, where you're like, okay, this is how you overcome the world world throughout First John, and I would argue in, in the Gospels of John, it, Gospel, excuse me, Gospel of John, is that reality that, um, that it's so simplistic, but the meaning is way beyond simplistic. It is so profound that we cannot fully understand it. What he says is, believe that Jesus is the Son of God then therefore you overcome evil. Then we'll say, but that's not that difficult. What would you say to them? It's like, well, that's too easy. What would you tell them? <laughs> I would say it's, it's not easy. As you reflect, it's simple. I would say it's not easy. Ah. The uh, you know Luther was fond of speaking of the unholy trinity, the devil, the flesh, and the world, all working, uh, doing their darndest to drag us away from Jesus Christ and him crucified and risen. And uh, it really is as simple as holding fast, believing in the gospel of Jesus Christ to, uh, to find all of the, the faith, hope, and love that we have in Jesus, right? In Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do the good works that he has prepared for us beforehand that we should walk in them. And, and so is it, is it simple? Absolutely. Yeah. It is really that straightforward in terms of walking in the, the faith that he has given to us uh, and loving the neighbor in need. And I do think that the, the, the simplicity, like you, like you said so well, does not take away from the profoundness and the benefits that all of us receive. And I want to talk more about that on the other side of our break. We are studying 1 John chapter 5 with Pastor Jason Bredesen, and we'll be right back. Take a look around you. Look closely. 
Immigrants in the United States and their U.S.-born children now number about 81 million people, or 26% of the population. So chances are, there's someone right in your community who doesn't speak English as a first language and who doesn't know Jesus. The Lutheran Heritage Foundation can help by providing you with free Lutheran books translated into over 90 languages. See their complete list of catechisms and Bible storybooks at lhfmissions.org. And welcome back. We are studying 1 John chapter 5 with Pastor Jason Bredesen of Trinity Lutheran Church in Sacramento, California. And so, Pastor, the, the message is, is simple. And I do think that he might have had a connection with speaking and teaching with children in this because continuously, as you mentioned about the family, he will refer to them as little children. He'll refer to them in a way that clearly he's a father type of figure and he's trying to, quote, make sure the kids are getting along. You know, like basically mm-hmm. when you and I are, are, are working with our children and as they, you know, to be honest, they're teaching us things as well throughout our lives. Yeah. And we instruct them about being together. The emphasis is that we are a family. You know, I'm your father. I'm, I don't use this exact wording by any means, but that we're together as a family. It's almost like John is doing that same thing. Little children um, believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And for that, unites you together as one. And that's a good reminder for the church as well. Pastor, verses 1 through 5, anything else you want to add? Uh, Again, just looking at the importance of faith and holding fast to that which uh, which the Holy Scriptures clearly teach us with regard to Jesus Christ, that he is the Son of God and that he holds the victory. He holds the keys to death in Hades, and we need not fear anything, um, but rejoice in being the child of God and being placed in this family of Christ and uh, continuing to bear witness. To, to bring about the testimony that God has given to us through the water, the blood, and the Spirit, and um, letting that proclamation continue from our lips. Well, let's continue on, because I've always found this next portion fascinating and maybe a little bit confusing when it talks about water, blood, and the Spirit. So verses 6 through 8. This is he who came by water and blood. Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. So we get, you know, we get three things going on here, three realities that it's clear he's trying to teach us about Tell us about this. What is he teaching about the spirit, the water, and the blood? That gets me terribly confused because I want to put it into a subject that, or to a category that maybe isn't correct. Where would you start off with, with those words? Spirit, water, and blood. I think really this is John offering the testimony that Jesus is true God 
certainly, but also True Man, the, the, the entire reason for John's writing, or one of the major reasons for John's writing, was to combat the early heresy of Gnosticism, which divorced the divinity and the humanity of Jesus. And um, by clearly proclaiming that Jesus is God, he is the Son of God, and yet fully human, that he came by water and blood, uh, and that the Spirit bears testimony to that, is, um, is really again, God's gift to us in terms of the Christological teaching of the Church, right? Uh, think about when Jesus was baptized. Uh, he was aligning himself, showing himself to be um, part of that human community. Of course, he did not need the repentance of faith uh, or the, the baptism of repentance that John was giving because he, mm-hmm. he did not sin. Uh, and yet he he um, aligned himself with humanity in that that the the water might testify to his being human, and of course we see the the spirit very very clearly present there as it descends as a dove and lights on Jesus Christ. The blood is that blood which flowed from his wounds mm. on the cross and. Uh, we see the Spirit very clearly at work there. The rending of the curtain in the temple from top to bottom, laying open the throne room of grace that we might um, receive grace and find uh, find grace and receive mercy in our time of need, that we can approach that throne of grace with great confidence. Um, so when you look at those three bearing witness, Really, it's the truth of the the full 100% divine nature of Jesus Christ, as well as the 100% nature, uh, human nature of Jesus Christ coming together, the Spirit bearing witness to that in the waters of holy baptism, or, or in the waters of John's baptism of Jesus, mm-hmm. as it were, and the blood of the resurrection, or the, the blood of the uh, crucifixion, um, they're uh, the Holy Spirit, again, um, bearing witness to these things. Well, it's interesting how it says, too, that these three agree, which gives us a, a, a sense of the Godhead, um, no doubt. You have mm-hmm. the, the Holy Spirit with the, the, the capital S. This is something we spoke about last week. Uh, when you get to First John chapter four, uh, excuse me, at the beginning of First John chapter four, when it talks about testing the spirits. So clearly, there's some there's there's something that that John is preaching against, and he's showing that unity of God. He doesn't make a and, and this is how we we have unity as Christians is that we come together unified in Christ, and that agreement is because Christ is in agreement. The the water of his baptism. Um, I couldn't help think, and I didn't look into it deep enough. Maybe if you have any insights, but the water and the blood that flowed, you know, the water mm-hmm. and the blood that flowed from his side, I think from would be side, yeah. right. And that would connect with the Holy Spirit as well, clearly because of the Trinity. And I think that's right. helpful to connect to the yeah. Lord's Supper and to baptism. I mean, how could we not make those connections? Uh, so right. there is that unity in Christ 
that we don't have to say, how about we just get along to get along? No, we know how we get yeah. along, and it's in the Lord Jesus. Any any thoughts on how that's important for us today, this unity of the Godhead and those three things that are mentioned, spirit, water, and blood? Any thoughts? Yeah, I think you're right to look to the, the piercing of Jesus' side with the spear and the blood and water flowing. Again, um, clearly proclaiming his um, complete humanity. I would even add to that the birth of Jesus, uh-huh, right? What, uh-huh. what comes in birth, but water and blood um, flowing from the Blessed Virgin Mary. Uh, and then you see the water there present along with the Holy Spirit at baptism. The Transfiguration where uh, Christ is um, laid bare before Peter, James, and John as the divine being and the Holy Spirit um, clearly present, the Father's testimony upon Jesus there, along with at the baptism. Of course, we've discussed the death of Jesus. You're right, the the water and the blood both flowing from the pierced side. Um, and, uh, and then the resurrection, um, Jesus Christ being raised in the flesh and appearing to many for 40 days prior to his ascension. And that ascension, too, is a bodily ascension to be seated at the right hand of the Father, where he continues to come to us, even as he is ascended in all authority, he continues to come to us in his body and his blood, which I don't know about you, Pastor Fennern, but the sacrament of the altar is an incredible testimony of of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus for me as I continue to walk in this broken world in my broken self, continuing to receive the broken body and shed blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins and the strengthening of my faith. And if we're to really view that God is at work through the Holy Trinity, through the person and work of Jesus Christ, to bring about our redemption in both body and soul for all of eternity, um, turning turning back to what he says about loving the the fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. If Jesus did this for me and he did it for others, how could I not but love them? Mm. And this, there's an incarnational. I mean, you're 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 saying all the words. We just haven't said the incarnational word to, to this point because yeah. you brought up everything right. incarnational as far as the physicalness. And clearly, John was fighting probably some kind of Gnosticism understanding mm-hmm. of the spirit is more important than the body. And we can have this sometimes where we'll say, my you know, my body is weak, but my spirit is strong, and that that does not that not that's not true. We can talk about then, therefore, you know, let the other shoe drop this says, oh, okay, so the body means nothing just as long as my spirit's good. And, and it causes mm-hmm. all sorts of issues like uh, Sadducees. There's no resurrection, um, that right. Jesus was a spiritual resurrection. And here goes back to 1 John chapter 1, where very clearly it says this life, this is 1 John chapter 1, verse 2, the life was made manifest, we have seen it, and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was the Father and was made manifest to us. I can't, you know, you see that common thread throughout this whole book, and I think it really comes to add here where that physicalness 
has to connect us to the sacramental theology. I mean, it has to connect to that that incarnational reality of Christ and that physical reality of what he gives us in the body and blood and the water itself. Now, it's not explicit. It doesn't say, oh, by the way, this is about that. But boy, those those connections are there and they are real and they they manifest to us to know that truly I am forgiven in Christ. Any thoughts? I think you said it all there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, I mean, what more is there to say but amen? Amen to that. Amen to that. So, Pastor, six through eight or anything before that point, any um, any any extra thoughts you have as we continue to move on? Well, as we turn the page to the next few verses, this is really where the language of belief is going to ramp up uh, significantly. And so as we look at the first several verses that we've looked at in 1 John, it's important to recognize, again, the testimony of the water and the spirit and the blood, uh, and that, um, that we are victors in Christ in his life, death, and resurrection, and that as we hold fast to that, as we believe that Jesus Christ is fully God and fully human, and that he came in the incarnation to spill his blood and let the water flow uh, and, and to continue to come to us physically, bodily, um, it's so important to, um, to hold fast to that to believe that, to have faith in Jesus Christ and him crucified and risen again. So as we look at that, once again, there's there's this language of what do you have faith in? And verses yep. 6 through 8 really bring that out. And, and I think about overcoming the world, that's important. Um, uh, Christ has overcome the world, as you mentioned in in. in, in John chapter 16, where it talks about I have overcome the world. And then that just that understanding of faith in, and he's making a great argument, and I should say not argument, even a proclamation of this is what you have faith in. And that is so important too, because I've realized this about myself, is that we can use all the similar language, but when someone makes that connection of, you know what, this is what you actually believe, it's just that great comfort, which is why creeds are important, the catechism, the confessions yes. are important, and John is mm-hmm. confessing that same thing. So, Pastor, let's do this. I'm going to go verse by verse um, through the rest of our time. So we start with verse 9. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is a testimony of God, that he has borne concerning his son. So he gives us two testimonies. What does he tell us about mm-hmm. him? Really, he's uh, he's giving us multiple testimonies, is he's not? Uh, the, the water, the blood, and the spirit. And then mm-hmm. as you reflect in verse 9, he gives us the testimony of men, the the apostles, the Old Testament witness, the the uh, the law and the prophets, the, the, the Tanakh, right? The, the history, the writings, um, the worship, the, the, uh, the Psalms, all of that bearing witness, um, man's testimony bearing witness to who God is. And of course, knowing that, that it is the inspired word of God, the Holy Scriptures are the inspired word of God, um, we have that testimony of God 
And if we don't believe him, well, we're, we're calling him a liar. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that's a wise thing. <laughs> um, so I think, you know, how often do we, do we believe our, our human neighbors when they tell us something? Um, unless they're politicians, I guess. Uh, sorry, politicians. Um, but, it, you know, in the court of law, you, you swear to uphold the truth. And uh, I think the vast majority of us really value the truth and, and desire to uphold it. And who am I then to say, if I believe the testimony of men, I, well, I'm not going to believe it, God and what he has to say. I think that would be unwise. And um, in, in John does not mince words here. He says, if we do that, we're making God a liar. And I'm not sure, again, that that's the wisest thing to do. And that's, and that's a great point for us to remember is um, that, one, there was language of, you know, that God is greater than your heart is another language that John uses, which I found really, that's something I'd never really seen before, actually, to be honest. And, and this is very much so there is not to say that we can never take people's words as truth, like, you know, this is what happened or whatever it might be. But if you are seeing the testimony of humans, men, better than the testimony of God or clinging or fear, love, and trusting that above God and his word, then we have a big problem. And it's very clear that how do you how do you overcome the world um, is by believing in Jesus, the Son of God. And so we have to bring a little repentance and a renewal of faith by the Holy Spirit to make sure that our the words we are following is God's word, not our word. And Pastor, how how do you see that play out? You know, politics aside, we don't need to bring up politicians too many <laughs> times today. Um, but how do you see that happen in today's world? That we are following the testimony of humans or mankind as opposed to the words of God. You know, I think as we've been talking about that, one of the disciplines, one of the theological disciplines that comes to my mind is that of apologetics. Um, I always have a love-hate relationship with apologetics. I think they are incredibly valuable in terms of the testimony of men and how the uh, how the truth of the Christian faith is um, is evident before us in first article gifts, uh, and yet they don't proclaim the gospel. They can open the door to a proclamation of the gospel, but they don't themselves proclaim the gospel. Really, uh, you can convey, you cannot convince anyone into the kingdom of God. Uh, and so unless apologetics as a first article gift are, are given along with the proclamation of the gospel, um, then, then we have not taken that next necessary step in love of neighbor to say, this is God's honest truth. And um, God gives us the gift of his son, Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of our sins. Um, for the gift of eternal life. Hmm. And that gets us to our next verse. Very, very good segue. Whoever believes in the Son of God, verse 10, has a testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar 
because he has not believed in the testimony of God, has borne concerning his son. Now, you brought this up before about being a liar. What does it mean to uh, what does it mean to be a liar according to John? Well, he, that uh, that you're not believing in God, that you you hear the word proclaimed, you see the person and work of Jesus Christ, and you say, "Yeah, that can't be. That is simply not the case." Um, while I have the water and the blood and the spirits and the testimony of men and the testimony of God, I'm not going to believe it. Uh, and in so doing, you're disbelieving God and claiming that he is a liar, even while he is not, because we do know that God is above all else honest. is truth. And that's where I, I look at... To use the word liar is pretty strong language. Just like there's other there's other parts of First John that says the word hate, and yeah. and that's very difficult for us to to look at. And one, it's required for self reflection first of all for all of us, and it's also mm-hmm. that strong because if you do deny Christ, then you are basically lying about who you are. You know. That, that it is Christ yeah. who has died for the world, so you're in essence denying oneself in a way that keeps you away from him as opposed to denying oneself that brings you closer to him. And that's that. I can't think of a lie worse than that, that you do not want the gifts that Christ will give to you. And so basically, uh, as you said at the beginning, believe the testimony because it's true. Pastor, what else do you have on verse 10? Yeah, I think uh, I think you hit the nail on the head there with regard to um, the strong language, and I think there there is a point where there needs to be strong language coming from uh, from the church. Uh, John here is dealing with an aberrant teaching of the Christian faith, and he needs to meet it head on. There are times when we in the the church, the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. And we as Christians of a Lutheran confession need to, to stand firm and stand clear on the Holy scriptures and let, um, let them speak very clearly of the testimony that they are for us. Um, to, for John to write to the various churches that he was writing to and say, look, it's not wise to call God a liar. And that's exactly what you're doing. If you are not believing in the testimony of God, um, strong words. Yes. But I would also say as it is inspired by the Holy spirit, probably necessary words. And pastor Finner, and you know that as a pastor, there have been times in your ministry where you have had to, clearly stand on the scriptures and the confessions to to proclaim the truth of God um, even to uh, even within the midst of the body of the church and that's exactly right and and for all of you our listeners as well that there are times that us as pastors have to be able to proclaim that truth but usually it's done within a confine of our church kind of a safe space, I would say, that it's within a context of somebody asking us out of curiosity, whatever it might be. Um, 
But I tell you what, one of the one of the amazing things to me is when you have a person who's working, like say in in the government, you know, working in some kind of role in the government, not politics per se, but they work in a government office, or they work in a school, or they work in other places. That basically, in order to keep your job, you have to play the fences. You know, you have to serve everyone that comes before you. And Pastor, you kind of deal with that a little bit as a as a military chaplain, where you have to make sure that you are proclaiming correctly at the right time um, Mm -hmm. and so that you're serving everyone faithfully while at the same time keeping hold of your confession. Can you speak to us a little bit about that, about how the testimony is the life and breath of your work as a military chaplain, but also you have to be careful about that testimony Mm -hmm. as well? Any thoughts? Yeah, I'd be happy to. And it's not just me in terms of my work in the Air Force Chaplain Corps. But here in in a downtown congregation in Sacramento, many of my parishioners uh, are now retired from the state or have uh, or continue to work for the state of California, which I'm not sure if you're aware of this, Pastor Finneran, but the state of California is not exactly uh, amenable to a life of faith, especially the Christian faith. And so my, my people face this a good bit, and it is something that um, I and other uh, Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod chaplains face while we are in uniform as well. Uh, as I like to tell my Bible class, I speak differently to those in uniform than I do to their, the Bible class. Um, and it's a, a matter of recognizing the different context, right? Uh, it shocked me when I got into uniform that not everybody in the military is a confessional Lutheran. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's yeah, surprising. Right. I yeah. Don't. They should be, but they're not. <laughs> uh, and I think it's a matter of, you know, I can, while I by no means compromise on who I am or, or what I stand for on the gospel and our confession of the church, but recognizing the different contexts, uh, if, if I have someone before me who is denying the witness of the testimony of men and the testimony of God regarding Jesus Christ in church, I can speak very boldly and clearly on our confession. If I'm in uniform, if I'm uh, in my capacity as a chaplain, well, it wouldn't do much good for me to call that individual a liar. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's a, an opportunity that we have in that arena to be able to catch more flies with honey than vinegar and to be able to proclaim the truth of Christ while holding fast to our confession but doing it in a gentle winsome manner uh, and recognizing that it is not our role to convert anybody. That's the Holy Spirit's role. Our role, our call is to uh, proclaim the truth of the testimony and to, um, to plant the seeds and water the seeds that have already been planted and to let that, um, let the Holy Spirit do the work of conversion in the midst of that context. Pastor, we have about a minute left. I'm going to read the last two verses and then get your last thoughts about all of our verses today. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has a Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Pastor, these once, once again, these words are very simple. With a minute left, 
Um, how, how would you summarize our, our text, these last two verses, especially, and encourage our listeners by his word? We have the gift of eternal life. We need not fear anything. We are overcomers of the world in that Jesus has overcome the world. And uh, we have the testimony of the blood and the water and the spirit. And as we believe that, as we hold fast to that, we have nothing to worry about. And we can continue to proclaim the gospel message in a very broken world uh, in which we have overcome it because we belong to Jesus, the overcomer. His life, his death, his resurrection, and our eternal life is done. It's taken care of, and we need not be concerned about it. So let us live and proclaim ever loving God and loving the neighbor in need. Pastor Jason Bredesen of Trinity Lutheran Church in Sacramento, California, giving us God's strong word from 1 John chapter 5. Pastor Bredesen, thank you again for bringing us his gifts. Thank you, Pastor Finner, and it's my joy. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand. <laughs>